The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Our Twitter poll question, which player will be available for more games this coming baseball season? Will it be Giancarlo Stanton? Or will it be Jonas Cespedes at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM? Before I get to the calls and your Twitter poll responses, here's why I'm a little concerned about Dellen Patances. Now, I, I kind of look at the Yankees as similar to New England in this respect. If they did not resign him, and I know they have a lot of depth, I do. But they missed him last season. They did. So is he fully healthy? Is there something they know? <laughs> As to maybe he won't be the same Dylan Batances that he has been with the Yankees? Where well, he was dominant. Yes, he had some issues where he might have been wild. Yeah, there were some issues with him and, uh, you know, keeping runners on base and covering certain covering bases. Minor things, but he was dominant as far as striking out. He is your power guy. Definitely. He's the power guy. And so when you have a strikeout guy like that, that's what you want in the bullpen. You want a guy that could come in if the bases are loaded or it's a runner on third and and you have a one-run lead or it's the bottom of the ninth in the opposition ballpark and you need a strikeout, bases loaded, you want a guy that you know can come in and blow the ball past the hitter. And that's what Dylan Patances can do. Can he still do that? Now, we'll get a pretty good idea. We'll find out some things in spring training. But we'll, we'll definitely know during the regular season. I believe he'll be the same guy. But there's this little thing in the back of my head that's like, eh, maybe he might not be. 1-800-919-3776. Danny in Long Island. Start us off on the Larry Hardesty Show. Well, you're like the utility infielder of this station. You never know. Any t- at any hour of the night or day, I could turn it on, and I, I get to, I get to hear your great voice. So, always good. Thank you, Danny. Yeah. Appreciate it. Listen, uh, as far as the chances goes, you know, it's not a bullpen in the league that doesn't have question marks. And if, the, if two out of three of the question marks work out for the Mets, they'll they'll be just fine in the back end. Uh, the starting rotation, of course, is the strength of the team. But getting onto the question, hey, by the way, as far as that poll question. You may you may want to add a little uh, judge to that a third option because he's developing quite a reputation as uh, as injury prone as well. So it might be Judge Cespedes or uh, Carlos Stanton because he's you know the, the three of them now have a lot. I don't know what's going on, but listen, as far as Cespedes is concerned for my Metsies, if he can just stay relatively healthy, give me twenty five home runs, give me seventy eighty RBIs, bat two fifty two sixty. And that's down in the order, fifth, sixth. And just protect those younger guys. That is all I ask out of him because mm-hmm. you have to have protection for Alonzo, Conforto, because after that, it's a, it's a, in, in most lineups, it's a deep, uh, it's a deep uh, jump off the edge of the cliff there. But if he can just do that and stay healthy, and of course the pitching, we all know all the axioms of baseball, if mm-hmm. the pitching can stay healthy. But if Seth, I, it's hard to believe that I think a guy who was attacked by a wild boar 12 months ago could be the key to the Mets season. But that's, that's my feeling right now because we all remember back to that year the Mets went to the World Series. Yep. This guy was a dom- He was a dominant 
put fear, do not go to the bathroom when Seth Spinners is coming up guy. And if he can get back to half of that and be productive, well, A, he'll start, he'll, he'll, he'll reward himself with a major contract from an American League team to be a, to be a DH. Yep. So that's that, he's he's greatly motivated. Matter of fact, with them with the reduction of the contract, I just remember that he's probably more motivated than any player in Major League Baseball history right now to go out and show everybody who he can. I don't care what his motivation is, whether it's good or evil. Just produce. And and we'll see what happens. But you know, we're getting ready for baseball, and uh, I'm, I'm done talking about the Astros. I want to see some real ball, and let's let's get it going. You're absolutely right, Danny. Thanks for the phone call and the kind words. And you're right. If Jonas Cespedes is going to play enough to give you 28 to 30 home runs, 75 to 80 RBI, I'm good. As a Mets fan, I'm good. I'm happy. I'm great. And you're right. And, and you, you, your point about the bullpen is well taken because I'm, I'm watching uh, Gary Cohen and Ron Darling today. And... <laughs> The Washington National bullpen had 25, what is it, 29 blown saves? And they won the World Series. How? <laughs> How did that happen? How did they survive? Because they had, in key moments, especially down the stretch in the postseason, their starting pitching was outstanding. And that's where you had to stretch out a little bit. But that was the nervous point about them. And they made some adjustments to their bullpen as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. Spike is in Jersey. Hey, Spike, you're next on the Larry Hardesty Show. Nice to talk to my friend in, uh, at a reasonable hour. <laughs> <laughs> for me, anyway. It's all relative. One baseball comment. Uh, I, I was in and out today with all dogs and just uh, – we perused uh, some of the baseball. Yankee mm-hmm. game was on the radio, so I, I really enjoy baseball on the radio. i got to tell you, I love yeah. it on the radio. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's special. We grew up on it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I, I put the Met game on. Uh, the Grom is a beast. He's just, he is. He's just, so he's good. A, you know, when did we think? Yeah, yeah. You know I'm a basketball guy first, like you are. And... Mm-hmm. L.A. has the two best basketball teams. You know, San's Milwaukee or in the West for sure. And we have the two best pitchers in baseball in New York right yeah. now. I, okay. I think so. I agree. Yeah, okay. So I, I, I watch a little bit of uh, Cole. Mm-hmm. I watch a little bit of DeGrom. And they're as different as night and day. Yeah. But... The results are the same. <laughs> the results are the same, yeah. Yeah. The, the ends they're justified. dominant. Spike, the ends they're justi- dominant. They're dominant. The ends justify the means. So I'm going to circumvent this and say for you, my friend, as a Mets fan, I, I only have one fear of the Mets. The players are there. There's no question about it. Where they're going to play is the issue. Mm-hmm. They just don't know where to put the right guys. You know, uh, the guy I break down the basketball games with, he's a diehard Mets fan, and he wanted to put a, a, a Alonso at the third base. He says, you know, and, and he wants to play the, the lefty Dom Smith. He says, you can't get rid of that kid. That kid's got is a sweet glove and mm-hmm. has got a great stick. Why don't you try and spring training? And that third base is a void. And, you know, and it comes down to you're stuck with Cano. That's what it boils down yeah. to. You're yeah. stuck with playing Cano, but I think you're going to be right there, and you made such a great point before, after you got off the phone with Danny, about about what happened with Washington. See, 29 blown saves, starting pitching, it's all going to come full circle, and speaking Mm -hmm. about full circle, because you know I'm nuts, 
Mm-hmm. We win the game last night, the Nets. That's right. And we can't make a free throw again. <laughs> it, Larry, it's, I, I played a horrible team. It's horrible. Even worse than them last night. I know. It drives me crazy when they miss the free throws. Is I something wrong with me? No, not at that. all. No, not, nothing. It's fun, and there was some, and, and I'll share my Nick experience because Jeanette and I were at the game yesterday. Oh, you so were? Okay. The, yeah, I'll share a little bit about that. But there were some things that I saw that drove me nuts. I don't know why. I don't know how Mike Miller doesn't throw chairs on the side. Uh, I just don't. I don't understand it. He was closing out. Oh, it's just, it's just they don't move. They don't Spike. move. I they told you move. that their their feet are in cement. Oh, I mean, and, and and here's the thing: they don't know that they're not. They don't know that they're supposed to move. <laughs> There's you know, no even thought, movement when, that they're going to move. When Woody was here, I loved Woody. You know my background. Woody yes. was a rookie. I sat behind him. I, look, and he played one year here. And he took that defensive, the red taught him how to defense. And Woody, I was critical of one thing with Woody. Not the mm-hmm. platitudes on the post games. That's fine. He wasn't the speaker. It's not his belly work. He's a terrific player. He can really score. But Woody switched too much, I yeah, thought. He switched, he switched to a fault. Too, a little bit too much. Yeah. He had to play. These guys, these guys don't move between the free throws and not moving their feet as a basketball purist like you are. I, I can't it. wait to hear what you shared oh, with Jeanette yesterday. It must have driven you nuts yesterday. Poor Jeanette. I felt so bad for her. I turned into <laughs> grabbing her arm. Look at what you're doing over there. <laughs> I'm the worst. Does she understand the game? Oh, yes, yeah, she does. Definitely. Okay, so, so you, were, you were showing her pointers why they're not moving or she was I, I showing you? Well, good. No, no, I was showing her things, and she she just looked at me. She said, "Well, you know, honey, neither one of them are very good." <laughs> no, okay, but, right but the, Larry, the free throw missing is it's it really it's drives inexcusable. me. It's inexcusable because it's team wide. I, I don't understand it, and, and they haven't figured out how to fix it yet. It's been all season. Get Rick Barry in there. Yeah, they all should shoot underhand. They should. They, you should do something. The switching I've given up on because yeah, it's can, not going to change. It, it's, it's not, not going to change. change with these players. And and last thing, and thanks for all the time. The mm-hmm. last thing they made all these. They, they got to clean up upstairs. They got to just fumigate it upstairs, and they will. But the thing that, that they did, they got all these one year contracts, and they only mm-hmm. moved Morris, the best player. Yeah, and, you, and that's you know why? Be a tough out. That well, you know why? Be, because he was the only one that had talent that anybody else wanted. No one wants Randall, but I'll tell you, that, that Clipper team, those, that Reggie oh, Jackson and Morris, plus, and how good is Lou Williams? Oh, my <laughs> God. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Larry, have a great week. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. 1-800-919-3776. Travis, he's in Long Island. Travis, you are next on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Travis? Yeah, Larry, I have a I have a point, and then I have an unrelated question for you. Oh, I God. just want to I just want to say that everyone makes a whole big deal about Judge and Stanton getting injured. I don't care because they're going to come back. Aaron Boone and the Yankees they're, they're going to get into the playoffs. The, the regular season means absolutely nothing for them. But all, all I care about is the playoffs, and by then they're going to be back. So I don't care if Judge gets injured. In fact, it might be better because he'll be more rested. When, when well, you just I, I will agree. I will say this, though, Travis, you just want him to be in a rhythm. He can be hurt. I understand what you're saying. But in the month of September, you want him to play as many games as possible. Same with Stanton. You want them to play so that they have rhythm going into the postseason, because, as you know, the postseason is different. You play better teams and you need to be on top of your game. Go ahead. What else you got for me? Yeah, that's true, but they're going to be back by September, I hope. But, <laughs> but, but I also wanted to ask you about my Islanders. Um, mm-hmm. Where where do you think they're going to end up, and who do you think is going to be the last team in, in the East? 
That's a good one, Travis. Thanks for the phone call. I'm, I'm kind of hoping um, because I, I'm just intrigued by how I think they're going to go and the way they've been playing. I'm kind of hoping that the Rangers will be the last team in. I'm, I'm really hoping that way because I'd like to see what, what they're going to be able to do. I tell you what, I'm really fascinated about the Islanders, and thanks for the phone call, Travis. I'm really fascinated about them, that, and I'm happy for them that they're going to be – I mean, they got a couple of games left in Brooklyn, like on Tuesday night they're in Brooklyn. But they're going to be – their postseason games are going to be at the Nassau Coliseum. Uh, the old barn and also all next season. I'd like that for them. I think they, they feed off the crowd in there. They, they just play better uh, for some reason. I don't know whether they're more comfortable. I don't know whether I know it's a better from what I'm heard, what I've heard from, you know, hockey fans. I know it's a better sight line. Um, I like the Islanders to go pretty deep into the, uh, into the, into the, into the, into the uh, Stanley cup playoffs this year. I do. I like their their young players. I like their goaltending. If they can find a way to score, I would feel better. I think if they can, if one of their guys can get hot, they'll go deeper. The Larry Hardesty Show on ninety eight point seven ESPN. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on ninety eight seven ESPN. Your words can express the way I feel for you. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. This is one from Ian Begley from SNY on the Knicks and what Leon Rose may do. Also, your thoughts about uh, the Mets and the Yankees, the Rangers, and check this out. It's official. Bob Arum, top-ranked chairman, Tyson Fury's co-promoter, told ESPN on Sunday the plan is for the fight to take place July eighteenth. At the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas. You know, that is the same location that hosted the rematch about a week and a half ago. So it's official. Deontay Wilder will fight Tyson Fury. He'll exercise that right to the trilogy on July 18th. Uh, according to, I, get, I don't know who's going to be in the corner. I mean, I keep hearing that uh, Wilder wants to let go of Mark Breland, who is a, the co-trainer because he threw in the towel to save his hide on the 22nd. We'll see what happens. Uh, he better come up with a different plan and a lighter suit to come down the arena. 1-800-919-3776. Jimmy's in Staten Island. Jimmy, thanks for holding. You're next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Uncle Larry, what's going on? How you doing? Good evening. Doing great, Jim. What's happening? What's going on? I, actually, I initially called to, uh, to speak about the Mets, but um, mm-hmm. I'm actually want to now. I want to switch topics. I want to actually talk about the Knicks. Sure. Um, as far as that, I wanted to get your opinion, and um, I wanted to know how you feel because I know you're a big New York guy. I know you, I know you've been holding strong for years, and you've been dying to see these. You know, you know your Knicks uh, get to the, at least the playoffs. You know, make some noise. But um, I wanted to know your opinion on uh, exactly like you know what where do we go from here? Do we uh, like do we go with head, co- head coaching wise? How do we handle this? Do we go for Mark Jackson? Do we go all out? Um, I know I know uh, the new I know the new president's a, a big fan of uh, Thibodeau, but I just mm-hmm. don't think Thibodeau's the right guy for this. And also um, draft pick wise, I mean I, I love I love I love the two point guards. I love uh, I love Melo I love the Melo Ball and I love uh, Cole Anthony. And I think that's the direction we need to go. But um, I think that uh, you know we need to break down this team. And um, I wanted to know what direction you think they should go. And um, as a Knicks fan, how do you feel as uh, draft, drafting wise and coaching wise? Jimmy, thanks for the phone call. I'll give you a general overall perspective for me. Uh, I love Cole Anthony. I would like to see Cole Anthony here. 
Uh, LaMelo Ball's good too, but I like Cole Anthony. Uh, so I, I would like to see him at the point guard. The Knicks need a point guard. That Obviously, we know that. There's no question about it. That's number one. Number two, they also need to improve their three-point shooters. They don't have consistent three-point shooters. The NBA now is a three-point shooting festival. Okay, If you don't have three-point shooters, you're not winning in this league. So they need that. They need talent. Jim, they need talent. They need depth. They need cha- talent. So give me a point guard. Give me some three-point shooters. Uh, let me let me add some depth. I like what I've seen from Mitchell Robinson. Obviously, I'm not giving him up. He's growing. He's starting to play better. He's starting to play bigger. Uh, he's being more consistent. He's attacking the boards. He's looking to be a little better offensively. So I like that. I still would like for him to develop some moves so I could throw the ball to him in the paint and let him make some decisions. He could pass out of a double team. He could do some other things. Right now, he's just cleaning up. He's just a window cleaner. I kind of want him to develop his game a little bit more than that so I can get some more consistent points uh, out of him so I can know that I'm getting 17. If I can get 17 and 10 from him every night, I'm ecstatic. That's what I would love to have from him. Uh, As far as coaching is concerned, listen, there's a number of different people out there. Uh, For me, I want a disciplined coach who preaches defense and accountability for not playing it. You give me that, I'm okay. The offense, he can work around. It depends on the players he has and so on and so forth. So for me, that's what needs to happen. As I mentioned earlier, my wife Jeanette and I were at the game yesterday, and I'm looking in the rafters, okay? And I'm looking at Atlantic Division Champions 2013. And I'm like, that's the last time it was fun being a Knicks fan. That's the 50-plus win season. You know, going into the postseason, you had hope. You had, you had. It was fun. It was like, okay, this is what we're, this is what we're talking about. And it's been, it's been hell ever since. And so, for me, what I want as a Nick fan, and I said it before, I'll say it again. I want this Nick team or the Nick team to have a win total that's more than one or two. Can I get that? Can I get a win total that begins with more than the number one and the number two? Could I, I would love to have a Nick total that began with the number four and higher. That's what I want. These one, these numbers beginning with ones and twos as far as wins are concerned, it's gotten old. It's tired. It's tired. And there's one thing I'm going to tell you. Just one example. And my wife's the best because she puts up with me. She's the best. So I'm watching a play yesterday, and it's, it's the players are coming down. Julius Randle's at, they're both Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett's at the top of the key. Okay, R.J. Barrett switches because his guy goes, and he switches where the guy moves and switches where Randle. Somebody else sets a pick on the other side, comes down the lane. Randle never moved. He never even turned. He never even looked. And the guy went right to the basket and slammed it. And I'm and, I, and I'm grabbing Jeanette's arm. I'm like, did you see that? Did you just did you see that? And she's looking at me, she's like, they're just not very good. <laughs> she just summed it up. It's just not very good. And she's right. And there was a couple of plays like that where I'm just like, if I were the head coach, I'm like, what do you do? Do you do you do you you take your clipboard and send it to the fifth row. Do you do you slam a chair? What, what do you do? What do you do? Because this is not the first time it's happened. 
there's no communication. Nobody talks. You don't hear. You don't even hear that. You don't even. You know what? Sometimes you don't even hear squeaking sneakers on the Nick defense. You just don't. You just it's just quiet. Can you yell? Can you occasionally? Mitchell Robinson will point to some people and, and move some stuff around. Oh, that is just so frustrating to me, because I understand that you're frustrated. I understand that it's it's, it's not going well. I understand that you're beaten down, but the losses from psychologically, I get it. But there's no excuse for that. You can't let a guy go down the lane. He went right past him. He went right past him. Oh, it was devastating. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Taking your phone calls and also asking you to participate in our Twitter poll question of the day. Very simply, which player will be available for more games this coming baseball season? Giancarlo Stanton, Joanna Cespedes. Weigh in with us. At Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Back to the phones. Charles is in Manhattan. Charles, you are next on 98.7 ESPN. Larry, good evening. Hey, Charles. I love your work, man. I've, I've followed you for years, and... Um... Uh, I, I'm a, you and I are probably close in age and I'm a, used to be a real fan of the uh, NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find it unwatchable. I, I can't watch a game. And uh, I just want to know, since you are, you and I are close in, in, in terms of demo, how do you feel about today's game as a fan? Not as a, you know, you work in the business. So, but how do you, how do you find the game as a fan? Charles, it's different. Um, I'm kind of the old school guy, I, I, physical play. Um, you know, bad boys of the 80s, Detroit Pistons, Chicago Bulls, Knicks 90s, uh, the physical play. Uh, with all with having said that, I did enjoy, and thanks for the phone call, I did enjoy watching the Lakers run up and down with Showtime. Uh, not a big Boston Celtics fan, but I respected what Larry Bird brought to the table. So when there's some things about the game, and, and yeah, I'm going to sound like get off my lawn. Get off my lawn! Um... <laughs> The lack of defense bothers me sometimes. Uh, the three-point just, just – I was always taught, Charles, and, and since you say we're the same demo, you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying. I was always taught that the best shot is the shot closest to the basket. Now, I understand that three is more than two. And if you've got a guy who can hit the three, then by all means, put it up. But – it's unnerving for me to see guys. It took me a while to see Steph Curry just pull up from three on the break with nobody under the basket, just put it up and it go in because everybody's not Steph Curry. So you get to see, you know, some bad shot selection. You get to see some things The, you know, they're very protective. You know, they call a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, I'm not used to them seeing being called in the NBA, but I'm, I'm getting used to the game. I like the up and down. I like the, uh, you know, attacking the rim, the dunks. I enjoy that. But some of the fundamental stuff I do miss, Charles. Uh, boxing out is a lost art. Uh, people just jump over people now. Uh, and I'm making broad comments. Not everybody, obviously. So there are some things that, that are missing in the game. But listen, uh, during the regular season, it's a regular season. The playoffs are when I really enjoy the ba- uh, NBA basketball, and I think that is that hasn't changed that much. When you talk playoffs, the game is slowed down in a lot of cases. 
because things are on the line. It's more serious, less turnovers. There's some different. There's some difference, obviously, in the regular season and the postseason. So, I I enjoy the NBA season in the postseason more than I do the regular season. That's that's a long way of answering your question. The other part of it is so many bad teams now. It's more bad teams. So because you have more bad teams, there's more bad basketball that you watch. So that's a lot. That's another part of it that I think has an effect. The league is very top heavy. Um, it it's it's they need to do, and I'm I'm sure they're working at it. They will do a better job at making it a little bit, you know, more depth to the league. They've already made it a little bit that the East is becoming better than it used to be. It used to be that the West was by far, by far, the more dominant and better conference. The East is coming back. East is East is coming back, and and you're starting to see them. Even though the East lost LeBron James and for a season, even though he was here for only a season, loses uh, lost Kawhi Leonard. But still, with what you've seen in Milwaukee, uh, Giannis and his crew, obviously, you know what they did down in Philadelphia. Although I don't know if they'll be able to keep it together to have a substantial, substantial uh, success there where it can be, you know, over more than one or two years. We'll see how that goes with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and their ability to play together. Uh, but but you're starting to see and obviously with KD and Kyrie, if they're able to get themselves on the court and have some success as most people think they will next season. That's going to add some depth here to the East. Obviously Toronto will continue to be good. Um, You know, we'll see what happens with some of the other teams, whether Washington can find their way, the Knicks can find their way, but you know, it's, it's Boston's good again. It's becoming more competitive than it was. I mean, the West is still better, still deeper, but it's, it's getting at least, at least we can have a conversation about the East now and, and then not just be like, oh, there's no shot. Jackson, Manhattan. Hey, Jack, you're next on 98.7. Hey, what's up, Larry? How you doing? I'm doing great, Jack. What's going on? Great show. Thank you. Thank you um, thanks for picking up. I, I just wanted to kind of submit, and I'm sorry to bounce around. I know you're talking about basketball. but That's back okay. To We're, the, open. Yeah. We're open. John Call for a minute. I, I think if you rewind uh, like two years or so on the Giancarlo trade and what was going on with Judge and All Rise and things like that, I think that Cashman loved the idea of two twin towers, as I call them, in the outfield, patrolling that outfield, right? And Otani fell through, and now you got Judge and you got Stanton. And these guys, these are big guys. They could be tight ends in football, and they don't, you know, they want to keep that kind of stature and they push themselves and, and and you can't account for you know tendons and ligaments and things like that and yeah I'm a Yankee fan but I'm I'm not I'm not pushing the support of Giancarlo what I'm saying is this guy played his baseball card if you really look at his baseball card he's one of the most consistent guys 59 home runs is actually an aberration mm-hmm. this guy hits 30 plus home runs his whole career when he came in in 18 he had 38 home runs and had 100 RBIs he got hurt last year great he went down why are we killing this guy you know, like he's and Judge, I, the two of them, I think, need to be the big, strong guys. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you could say they need to be doing more of the Tom Brady 12 program. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a conditioned trainer, uh-huh. but I do think it goes back to two big guys patrolling the outfield. Cashman loves. 
I, I can agree with that, Jack. And thanks for the phone call. I, I think that, listen, I think going back, it was a situation of he's always looking to improve his team. And there was always this talk about Bryce Harper was going to be was going to be a Yankee. He always wanted to be a Yankee. All right, so you had him. You had uh, you know a couple of other players that were going to cost a lot of money for the Yankees to sign. Here was a scenario where okay, let's trade for somebody because really his salary is actually cheaper and would be cheaper long term than if we signed a Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, uh, and added them to our team to try to make them better. So I think that was his thought process there. That's A. B, look, he was the National League MVP, as you mentioned. And yeah, 59 home runs. It may have been an aberration, but a lot of Yankee fans, maybe not you, Jack, but a lot of Yankee fans expected him to bring some kind of power to this lineup. And they didn't really expect him to be in the outfield. He was going to be the DH. And then on a couple of days, you'd put him in the outfield if he needed to rest because, you know, when he got here uh, under Joe Girardi, you know, with, with sabermetrics, and we got to rest our guys. We're going to move them around to keep everybody fresh. So he was going to play some outfield. He, was gonna, he might play some right field when Judge was out or given a rest day, or he was going to play left field in some against some opponents, and he was going to DH most of the time. So it was going to be a big deal. I just think the Yankee fan expected him to give them – 35 to 40 home runs a year. And the frustrating thing is he's not been available. And as you know, Jack, for Yankee fans, it's that seminal moment, that that big hit, that big series that makes you officially a New York Yankee. He hasn't had that. And the fact that he hasn't been available is very frustrating to some people. A. B, there were a number of Yankee fans who didn't want him in the first place. So you have those fans who are just like, see, told you we didn't need him. Told you we didn't want him. That's the problem. We didn't need this guy. He's no good. So I think really all he needs to do is just play. If he plays, he's going to produce. He produced in 2018. I mean, there was a stretch where he was carrying this team during the regular season because of some injuries. All right? So you know that he can produce. It's just that in the postseason, when it really, really matters, he's not come through the way Yankee fans thought he would come through. It's not even that much in the regular season. It's the postseason. Yankee fans will forgive you. If you don't come up, here's the deal. Just from my opinion and talking to Yankee fans, you got to do well against the Red Sox. Okay. And you have to do well in the postseason. If you do well against the Red Sox in the regular season, excellent in the postseason, you're good. He's not done the postseason thing. And that's why Yankee fans are killing him. And that's why Yankee fans are disappointed because, you know, here we go again. All right. We're waiting to see. Okay. This is the season for him. Oh, man. He's hurt. And Judge is sluggish. And you've just come off a season where it looks like everybody was hurt at some point in time. Two or three times on the on the on the on the on the um, I.L. That's their frustration. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number three of the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Also on Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. 
Answering our Twitter poll question of the day, which player will be available for more games this coming baseball season? Will it be Stanton or will it be Cespedes? And obviously the conversation coming up because both of them are coming back from injuries. And you add, as one of the callers mentioned, you add uh, Aaron Judge to that situation with his troublesome shoulder. It, it it's it's a concern only because from the Yankees side of it, what you went through last season. That's why it's a concern. It's a concern because you had so many injuries. At least everybody was hurt. And so you're not sure that you're going to be able to recover and, and get the uh, production from the players that you got last year. That was a phenomenal year for the you could have argued, honestly, honestly, that Aaron Boone could have got manager of the year for being able to have 103 wins, to have major injuries in his, with his everyday players and his starters. I mean, his ace didn't pitch until what? Three games left in the season? Luis Severino? So, so what the Yankees were able to do last season Listen, if you're a Yankee fan, you're like, could we just get a season where we don't have to deal with injuries? And right off the bat, bang, Severino, done for the year. Bang, Paxson, surgery, May, June, return. Bang, Judge, shoulder. Well, it's okay. He'll be, he, he should be ready for opening day. Ooh, maybe. Bang, Stanton, uh, again with him? So that's the scenario there. As far as the Mets are concerned with uh, Yoan Cespedes, look, it's, his, his, his problems have been well documented. Ever since 2015, when he was Mr. October, Met-wise, okay, he was dominant. He put this team on his back, and he rolled them to the postseason, okay? And he was great, and then it was, okay, should we resign him? And as far as I was concerned, as a Met fan, I was like, absolutely. You bring him back. He deserved it. And it's been injury after injury. He's given you some production, but a lot of, you know, DNPs for him. And so now you're looking at a scenario where he's going into a contract year. His contract this year was cut substantially because of injury last year. He didn't play. And so... You're looking at two guys who, while there's no question that when they play, they produce. But you know what Hermet would always say? The best ability is availability, and neither one of them have been available. So the question is, who do you think will be available more? And it's a weird question to ask in, in spring training, but they both aren't available yet in spring training. So I think it's something worth asking. Also, we uh, last hour, we talked with Ian Begley from SNY about the situation with the Knicks. We've been talking a little basketball as well. As a matter of fact, on ESPN, uh, in a couple of minutes, we'll be tip-off of the Lakers and the um, New Orleans team in a rematch. So that's going to be fun. Uh, listen, Zion Williamson, <laughs> he's all right. He's okay. He, he's going to be good. He's going to be good. You just see now. He's, he's getting up and down the floor. And listen, he hasn't even learned the NBA game yet. He's just playing. Wait till he learns the NBA game. And I know, I remember talking to LeBron James many years ago when he was just coming in. And you know, we were asking him at the time, 
can you make the adjustment to the NBA coming out of high school? It's like it's the same basketball. Same basketball. Basketball is the same, same game. Not exactly. <laughs> Not exactly. It's a little different. A little different game. A little different. But obviously when you're a talented like him, yes, yeah, the same game for you because you're playing at a higher level than most everybody else in the game. But uh, for Zion, it, it took him a while, you know, with the injury to slow him down. But, you know, he, he's really he's really making a move on this Pelicans team. And I'm telling you, this Pelicans team, they have an outside shot at the postseason. And uh, I think I think when I look at the at the bottom tier of that of that division of the conference, I don't know what happened to Portland, but they have fallen off the face of the map. I'm I'm just really surprised at Portland this year. I thought for sure that they would be, you know, continuing where they were last year, which was a team that that got to the playoffs that you didn't really want to face because of their backcourt. Now I understood that because of that backcourt, they were backcourt heavy, and they, pardon me, they really needed them to score. And that Carmelo Anthony may not be the total answer, but he would certainly help take the pressure off their backcourt to be able to put some points on the board. But but they just, you know, and, and obviously Damian Lillard's been hurt. That has not helped them. But, I mean, at 26 and 35, I mean, right now they're three and a half out of the final playoff spot. Uh, Memphis, listen, you John Morant is phenomenal. But I think... That, um, you know, the Pelicans, who are now two and a half behind the Grizzlies going into this game with the Lakers, uh, I think I think they'll they'll get a chance to get in. Surprisingly, San Antonio's on the outside looking in. I, I don't know if they're going to make it this year. I mean, they've, they've lost seven of their last 10. They're struggling a little bit. Obviously, it's a veteran, veteran coach in Greg Popovich. He can get them rolling. You know they could turn the they could turn time around. They, there's plenty of time left, but you know they just stay close and they put some wins together late and they can jump in. Uh, but I mean, you look at uh, the, look at what the Pelicans have been able to do since Zion's come back and the depth that they have. They, they're in the, they are an intriguing team to me. And uh, you know, a first round matchup of them and the Lakers, which is which is about to tip off now on ESPN. Uh, is uh, fascinating. What's also fascinating is Dallas and the fact that, um, you know, Luka Doncic is hurt again. And, uh, yeah, Nick fans, I know, I know. Christos Pozengas tied his career high at 38 today in a win. Uh, so Dallas has played well, a little better than I expected. Uh, the, one of the surprises to me out west, really, Oklahoma City. I thought when they let Westbrook go, it was like, forget it. We're just, no, they, they're holding their own. They're sixth right now in the in the West. So they've done a nice job. So it's just real interesting to me to see. It, you know, now is the time that you really watch your, your NBA. All right, now is the time that you really look and see, and very quietly, who, who have we not mentioned? We mentioned the Lakers and the Clippers. We talk about the bottom. And we talk about the Rockets, obviously, and what they bring to the table. And now this small ball offense and everything that they have going for them. But you know what? Denver's still third. Very quietly, they do what they do. And Utah's fifth. And defensively, listen, uh, Utah, Utah is going to make some noise. 
Utah, Utah is going to be in every game because they have the Eiffel Tower at the center position who blocks everything. Rudy Gobert blocks everything. And he can give you a little offense, as we saw in the All-Star game. So, um, you know, they're going to be tough. They're going to be a tough out, too. They're going to be a tough out. In the East, I thought, listen, the, the Pacers are the sixth team, sixth-seeded team right now. I thought they would might be a little higher. I, I really expected them to flip-flop with Miami. I expected Miami to be the sixth team, and Miami was hot for a minute. They were real hot. Over the last 10, they've lost six of their last 10, but, you know, the, a little tougher competition, you know, so, so they, we'll see how they respond over the next few games. Um, but really, the other surprise for me in the East is that Philadelphia's five. I would have thought they would have been higher, but their their issues with chemistry and coaching and stuff has been well documented. Uh, the other thing is really, as I mentioned earlier, it's the Nets. It, it, it's the Nets being sixth. It's it's the Nets uh, defensively giving up 111 points when they score 110. I mean, it's not that much difference, but it is a difference, and it's. You know, it's it's the struggles away, and a lot of teams lose on the road. I mean, listen, Philadelphia's nine and twenty-two. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> that's all you need to know on the road. So, but just over the last couple of weeks, it just seems as though they've struggled a little bit more defensively than I expected. But once again, we're going into the last. This is March. This is when you get hot. This is when you turn it on and get your ducks in a row to make that run to push yourself for higher seating. In the postseason. And if you are the Nets, don't finish eighth. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. You know, Taji, he old. He old, he old. So, uh, you know, I gotta kinda, kinda give my guy a break, you know. So, me and BP really gotta step our game up, you know. So, you know, Taji can really recover because we're younger, way younger than him. Way younger. <laughs> so, it's like, you know, so we really gotta look out for him, too, you know. So, it's like, you gotta just step our game up. Mitchell Robinson talking about uh, playing better to give Taj Gibson the chance to rest and recover. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 987 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. And yes, I will say this. Mitchell Robinson putting up more points. And I said a couple of days ago that that would be the next uh, improvement to his game. That you need him to be more than just a, a guy who can alley-oop. All right? You need for him to be... Uh, a guy that can give you some some baskets and stay on the floor. And so for me, one of the things that's been an improvement, especially over the past couple of games, has been the fact that, you know, he's been able to stay on the floor, which is good because normally what? He's got three fouls as soon as he takes his warm-up off and then it's over? <laughs> is, is that what it's been? It's been like that, right? Three, three of a beep, there's a five beep, and you know, reach in, and you know, those bad plays and those just, just, just fouls that you would expect in his second season, he would not be making those type of foul plays. All right, like yesterday, he had three personal fouls. He had 23 points, 10 rebounds. He had two blocks. He, had, he was 11 for 16 from the field and one of three from the free throw line. So, look, great. I'll take that all the time. And as Trey and I were just talking about, you give him a couple of low post moves, so now you can, you know, get him ready, and and he can become like an offensive focal point when he's in the game sometimes. And Trey was saying, and and listen, we know 
the uh, the the influence that Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon, former world champion, two-time world champion, Rocket Center, has had with his dream shake and his low post moves. So there is a story out that Nick Center Mitchell Robinson hasn't heard of Will Chamberlain, but he's on pace to break his record. This is I'm quoting the article. I don't really watch old school basketball, Robinson said. It's quoting Robinson. I don't even know why. It's just not me. We don't even play like that anymore, so what's the point of watching? Robinson's take is unsurprising because he also didn't know anything about Hakeem Olajuwon. But he does have a point about the game changing since the days of centers dominating the ball in the post. Most players these days don't matter their height, take three-pointers and jump shots. But not Robinson. Further on in the story, his attempts this season are almost exclusively in the paint, mostly dunks, which has contributed to a field goal percentage of 73.2%. Will Chamberlain set the record at 72.7 in 72-73, his final season of his Hall of Fame career. Of course, that was the year that uh, Knicks beat him. <clears throat> Net center DeAndre Jordan, who actually helped mentor Robinson last season with the Knicks, is only player to shoot higher than 70% in a season. But here's the thing. He's right that they don't play the game the same as they did with Will Chamberlain and with Hakeem Olajuwon, but his game is comparable to their game. So maybe he should be looking at at least Hakeem and what Hakeem was able to do. Okay, Wilt was just dominant. I mean, he was just, you know, he was a beast. You put him in there, he was, he was at that time one of the strongest players to play the game. And it, there's no mistaking that when you look at a number of the scoring and rebounding records in the NBA, Will Chamberlain's name is among them and is usually alongside of them. He's got, I mean, like just, just insane numbers. Insane. Records that probably won't be broken. It won't be. Because he was dominant. He was that dominant a player. So it was it was just interesting to hear that, you know, Mitchell hadn't heard from them. And it's not surprising. You know, we I was having this conversation uh with a couple of folks and we were talking about Patrick Ewing coaching Georgetown. And when he walks into homes recruiting uh players how for him, the parents are just like, ooh, it's Patrick Ewing. The kids are like, okay, who's this big guy walking in here? <laughs> Some of them don't even know who he is. Don't even know what he meant to uh, the program at Georgetown University. Don't, doesn't even understand that he was one of the 50 greatest players in the NBA the first time around they did that. Uh, doesn't understand what he meant to the Knicks and helping them to have sustainable success. Although he did not win the championship, he coveted, but he helped them have sustainable success and be interesting for the time that he was here. It, it's 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 crazy. It just is. But that's that's the scenario, and that's what's been going on. That that's the way it's been. And so you know, you just hope that somebody shows them a video somewhere, or maybe somebody hits a Google, or maybe NBA Entertainment will send them some videos, some you know, some some streaming some links that he can check out it's the greatness. There was Hakeem Olajuwon and the greatness that was Will Chamberlain because he can learn a lot from those guys in the painted area because he's not the guy that's going to shoot the three. He's not that guy. 
he's more of the guy that's going to be, because of his rebounding and his ability to block shots, you want him in that painted area. You love him in that painted area. And that, that's where he's got to be. That's where you want him to be. Back to the phones. Dave's in Cormac. Hey, Dave, you're next on 98.7. Hey, how are you? Good, Dave. I'm What's big, up? I'm a big Islander fan, but you okay. know what? The Islanders are a terrible team this year. I look at what's going on with the goaltender a couple days ago where the team finally caught up, uh, goes to overtime, and then he gives up the goal only because he came out of the net to cut down the angle. I mean, that's just stupid. And then the same goaltender a couple weeks ago, he leaves the puck behind the net. One guy, one of the other Islanders, uh, thought that he was taking care of it and he thought the, uh, the player was going to take care of it and lo and behold, the other team gets a hold of the puck and uh, the game is over. It's like uh, no discipline, no goaltending, scoring, you don't take enough shots on net, it's too, yeah. too much passing around, it's a joke. Well, I will, I will agree with you here, Dave, and thanks for the phone call. Scoring is an issue, and, and, and they need to do a better job and find a way to get, um, you know, some more consistent scoring. You're absolutely right about that. The, the situation with goaltending, people make mistakes. Uh, lack of communication, that's something. It's, it's very rare that you find on the coach for a coach team um, that, uh, you know, has won championships. Uh, you find that unusual. Uh, you find it unusual with the discipline that Lou Lamarello loves to have with his squads. So, but it's something that will be taken, you know, it's something that will be handled. And I think that you'll see, you won't see that happen much in the future. However, I agree with you. They do need to find a way to be more consistent in scoring goals. They do. And that's going to be something that's going to hurt them down the stretch. There's no question about that. Antoine's in Jersey. Antoine, you're next on 987 ESPN. Thanks. Hey, Antoine, what's up? What's going on, Larry? Thanks for taking my call. It's been a while. How's everything going? Everything's good. How's um, things with you? I was listening to what you were saying about Mitchell Robinson and the fact that he's never watched or heard of Akeem Olajuwon or Wilt Chamberlain. And I've always felt like if you're going to play a sport or you're going to participate in the NBA, you should know the history of some of the greats that ever come before you and lay that foundation. And also the thing that shocks me is the fact that he has access to something like YouTube. I mean, you can watch a lot of videos and everything else. You can post stuff up on Google and so on and so forth and watch this game. But one thing you also forgot to mention about um, Patrick Ewan, mm-hmm. he is one of only three players in the history of USA basketball to win gold medals as both an amateur and a professional. And you'd be surprised who the other two were. Go ahead, tell me. Michael Jordan yep, and Chris Mullen, all three not only were teammates on the Dream Team in in 92, but they're also all teammates on the 84 Olympic team in Los Angeles, coached by the one and only Robert Montgomery Knight. That's it. Oh, Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You're right, Antoine. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. Yeah, it is. It is a little surprising. It's it's not. It's okay. It's less surprising about Wilt. It's more surprising about Olajuwon. But once again, everybody doesn't have that that zest, that that need to uh, be inundated with knowing the, the history. They want to just go in there and play now. And, you know, you would hope that, you know, somebody would pull them aside. One of the coaches reads this and say, hey, listen. Just, just, just put the listen. The, the Nick video folks can put a little DVD together for him. He could slide in his, you know, laptop and check it out. Just look at a couple of things, which would intrigue him. It would intrigue him, especially about Olajuwon. 
And his mobility, his ability to block shots, his ability to rebound, his ability to score. And he had a nice little jumper. That jumper was, as Nick fans will remember, that jumper was pretty good in 94. Richard's in Manhattan. Hey, Richard, you're next on 98.7. Tony, be, be, uh, Larry, I'm sorry. Before I get to my Tony Romo point, yeah. I just want, did you watch the Houston Celtic game last night? I did. That was a playoff atmosphere, and I'll it tell was. you why. I'll tell you why. I've been mm-hmm. looking at box scores all year. This was the first box score. Now, it was overtime game. All five starters on the Celtics averaged 43 minutes each. Mm-hmm. All five. Yep. Now, I know the game was 53 minutes long because of the five-minute overtime. Four, you don't ever see that. No, and, the, and the Houston players averaged 39. They never play that like that, D'Antoni. He no. plays the starters a lot, but never. Th- so you can tell both teams wanted that game. That's right. uh, Larry, I've never seen what I saw and maybe it's never even happened in the history of basketball, NBA. Now, here's, here's, uh, Houston's up by three. Boston's got the ball. And it's that age-old question. Do you foul him so they get mm-hmm. the two shots and this and that? So what does Houston do? They foul him. Okay. The kid misses the first shot. Yep. Okay, so now he's got to miss the second so and get the he he makes a perfect miss, taps the rebound out to the three point guy with no time left and hits it. I don't think that's ever happened in an. I've never seen. It. Have you ever seen that in an NBA? I have game? not seen that. And what was more frustrating if you're a Rockets fan? What is more frustrating if you're a Rockets fan is that it looks like the beard hardened is the yeah, way he, he had it. it. He had it, but he got he had it away. right out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ball got scraped. But you know, not, you can't call a foul on anything. Like no, that. no, 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 yeah. didn't do that. No, right, no, 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 he was going for, for one year. All right, Larry, $17 million for Tony Romo. Life I've never seen America, anything more it? ridiculous. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You guys got a guy on ESPN. He is my favorite announcer of all time, Bob Wischusen. And I'll tell great, you why. Great announcer, yes. Not only, But I'll tell you why I think he's the greatest. Mm-hmm. Not only is he a play-by-play man, he's a color analyst. I love his analy- analyzing more than I like Marty Lyons, the football player. He'll come out and say, well, Houston will say, well, why are you using a timeout here? You got the two-minute warning coming up. Save it. For-. And he's always thought-provoking. He's making you think along the game. Mm-hmm. Tony Romo doesn't make me think. No. He's just plain vanilla. Yeah, he can call a play from the alignment and say, well, this is going to be a pass to the right side. Okay, big deal. That is, that's not making me think. He doesn't say anything. Him and Nance, they don't say anything controversial. They won't say, well, wait a second. What are they doing here? What's going on? Why did he do that? You know, that was a bad play. I don't, they're too vanilla. They're too plain. Middle America. Here it is. Let me ask you something, Larry. Yes. If this mm-hmm. guy's getting $17 million, what would Howard Cosell have gotten? Wow. 30, 35. Oh, my God. Do you remember after we watched the Monday Night Football game? We'd be talking more about what did Howard have to say after, on Monday at the at Tuesday morning at the cooler, right. at the water cooler at work, than what, what actually happened at the game. You it don't want to know what Cosell said. It would be two things, Richard, and thanks for the phone call. Good talking to you. It would be what Howard Cosell said, and did you hear Howard do the highlights at halftime? Those were the two things that you would hear because obviously, you know, he he did them off script. He he just did them. They ran them. He didn't even look at them before. He they rolled the video and he would just ad, go ad lib right off the top. He was a great broadcaster. He really was. The Larry Hardesty Show on ninety eight point seven ESPN.